Hey, welcome to Bollocks Talks and Tangents. It's the Blevins Boys in the studio. I forgot the name of our show again, Blake. Um, Blevins Boys in the studio today. Uh, real excited to be here. We got some fun stuff uh, to talk about. We have, uh, we're talking history of hygiene. By the way, I went down that rabbit hole like crazy, Blake. I don't know about you, but it, I got some really, really crazy stuff that will actually make your skin crawl. Maybe we need to do, use use that phrase at some point. Um, but we're doing that, and we're doing unlikely champions. Uh, unlikely champions, which is uh, a little interesting. It's a lot of sports stuff, uh, and that's teams that probably shouldn't have won, but somehow put it together for that that season and, and won anyway. Um, but first off, before we, what we got to do is I got to tell you our whiskey of the week this week is Citygate, Citygate Distillery, and it's one of the more interesting uh, whiskeys that they have over there. It is their cinnamon whiskey, and I, you know, uh, a lot of people compare it to like a, a fireball, but it's not a fireball. It's a smooth, sweet uh, uh, sipping whiskey, uh, and that's what I got in my glass today. And if you like a cinnamon stick. It's a whiskey for you. So, uh, you know, that's, that's the whiskey, Blake. It's probably one you could tolerate, even though you're not a whiskey drinker. I know. I'm, I'm, sorry, to, I'm sorry to disappoint you, Dad. It's, it doesn't disappoint me at all. It gives me, it gives me a, a designated driver for uh, eternity. Um, but we got to go over our sponsors. We already talked about CityGate Distilleries. CityGate Distilleries is located right there on Sponsor Row. Um, they're, they're a sponsor along with uh, St. Augustine Distillery. They do an amazing job with all their whiskeys, uh, their bourbons, their alcohols, all their spirits. Just do an absolutely amazing job. Best tasting tour in the country. Um, so go check them out. And if you have friends in town, take them down there. Let them, let them do the tour. Um, staying on Sponsor row, we have Meehan's Irish Pub. Uh, amazing food. They have three bars in one. They got the Johnny's Oyster Bar uh, up top. They got the uh, backyard where they do music. Just a great vibe in the in the backyard there. And uh, then they have their uh, regular pub, uh, Meehan's Pub, and they have great food. Uh, if you haven't tried them out, make sure you go see them. They're right on the bayfront. Um, St. Augustine Pirate Museum. This museum is one of the most underrated museums uh, in the country. It has over 800 original uh, pirate artifacts. Uh, we uh, were able to get this museum from Key West. Mr. Croce decided to bring it up here, and it's had amazing success. Cindy and Michael and the staff over there do an inc- incredible job. So go check it out. Ask for Captain Mayhem if you want to do a tour. Um, staying on that sponsor row, River and Fort. River and Fort ate there just when it was uh, just two days ago, Monday, um, three days ago. On Monday, I had family in town. This is where I took them. It's just an amazing view, uh, great food, wonderful people. They'll take amazing care of you. Um, just you can't get a better view in town because you know what you're overlooking when you're sitting at River and Fort. Blake, you you look at the river and the fort. Wow, right on time. All right. Um, a Bear Kresge and Associates, they are the best CPAs in town. They have been my CPAs for a decade. Um, you know, they just, if you think you can do your own taxes and save money, you're wrong. You're just wrong because they know the tax law better than anyone else. They know where to save you money. Give these guys a call. A Bear Kresge and Associates. Um, Cheshire, Cheshire, 
I can't even say it right. Cheshire Customs and Collision. I was so worried about the second part of it. I, I messed up the first part, Blake. Uh, go see Chris over there. He's got a state-of-the-art, state-of-the-art uh, shop over there uh, off of Holmes Boulevard. Um, if you're looking just to touch up your car, if you've got a little fender bender or something like that, go see these guys. They'll match you up just right. Or if you need an entire paint job or a restoration, they can they can take care of you on that too. All right. Last but not least, a sponsor that uh, is near and dear to my heart. Blake, are you ready for this? I'm ready. Coquina Coast Realty. Wow. All right. Coquina Coast Realty, that's, that is the real estate company that uh, that is in our family. Uh, and I don't know why I haven't been advertising it before, but it's time to start back advertising. Can't be a secret agent. Yes, I am a real estate agent, and that's how I pay pay some of my bills. But if you're looking to sell your house or if you're looking to buy a house, if you're looking for an investment property, give me a call. And I, I can give out this number off the top of my head, 904-669-7901, Coquina Coast Realty. All right, Blake, uh, it is now time for Word Origins. Are you prepared, sir? Yes, but I really hope that I'm not repeating stuff. Okay. Well, you know what? If if you are, it's, more, more it's going to sink in a little. It's going to sink in a little better. So, which one are you going to start with? All right, I'm going to go with. Uh, I'm going to cut to the chase. Cut to the chase. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, 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 what does cut to the chase mean to you? Mm, I wasn't ready for a question because I was trying to sneak in a sip. Um, it means get to the point. Yeah. Yeah, just uh, don't beat around the bush. Cut to the chase. Yeah. But, 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 but you should cut to the chase when I want to ask you the question. It, 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 instead of sipping on your uh, good good cinnamon whiskey. Oh, I got to it, but you caught me. You, you, you like have a career as a waiter or something. Wait until I took a sip and then ask a question. Sorry about that. All right, so so the phrase originated from, from Hollywood. Okay. Uh, so basically, so so when movies ended in in a chase scene, the first reference to it in a in, in a script came from a nineteen twenty nineteen twenty nine film where where it says Jennings escapes dot 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 cut to the chase. So that was that was the first reference to it. But the movie title interested me the most mm-hmm. because it is a long one. <laughs> the movie title, yes. So it's 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 obviously it's an it's a a silent movie nineteen twenty one. So, what was the movie title? It was titled "Simon and Schuster presents the super colossal wonder picture epic of this any of this or any other century Hollywood girl." That's the movie. That's terrible marketing. It is terrible marketing. So the only good part that came out of it is cut to the chase. Yes. Okay. It's, they should have cut to the chase before they gave it that title. Yes. All right. Um, my first one is by and large. Mm. You have any idea what by and large is? Uh, well, what, what, I, I uh, when, when I hear by and large, I think of like the Costco like wholesales, like 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 just just like buying everything in bulk. Okay, well, yeah, it's, it's B Y, not B U Y. So it's by and large. It's so it's B Y, not B U Y. But it's B and Y, uh, and it basically means everything involved. What what all is involved? By and large, what all is involved? Um, and it's a nautical term. And it came to be, um, it came came to be in like the 16th century. And if you were in large, that means the wind was behind you and pushing you at the maximum. Uh, if you were sailing by, that means you were sailing directly into the wind. 
So basically to encompass everything, the term by and large became, it encompassed all the winds, it encompassed everything. So it came from a nautical term, and that's by and large. All right. What's cool. your second one? Good. All right. So my second one is uh, don't cry over spilled milk. Okay. But you, but you mainly cry when, when there's no milk, though. Yeah. Yeah. When, it, when it, we're out of milk, I cry. And if we spill the last part of it, I cry. I like my milk. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, so, so, so the first, according to reference, the first reference of it comes from uh, uh, an English writer named James Howell. Okay. In a book called Proverbs in 1659, where he says, no weeping for shed milk. But that, that is not the official confirmed first reference of it. But it's a, and apparently, legend has it. It comes from supernatural lore, in which, uh, in which, in which, in the days when people strongly believed in fairies, it was common to lay out a shrine for them, consisting of small quarantines, quantities of food and drink, particularly their favorite milk. Okay. So that was uh, basically for the deities. They left. They left the milk out there. Yes. Okay. And what what century was that in? Uh, 1659 was the first reference. In, was the first reference in writing. Okay. So, so, so Megs may have been back a bit earlier than that, but yeah. Okay. All right. I like that. All right. Uh, my second term. Uh, I went to what we're going to talk about first on the on the first half of the show. I wanted to find out where the word hygiene came from. Did you Did you see this during your search? Uh, I, I didn't. Okay. So hygiene comes from, uh, it is actually, let me grab it right here. Make sure it's, is Greek. I wanted to make sure it was, it was Greek. Uh, it's the Greek goddess of health and her name was Hygieia. Okay. Um, she was the daughter of Oscupolis. Yes. Uh, and he was the god of medicine. So it became uh, more popular uh, during the, uh, this term became more popular during the Industrial Revolution. So between like 1750 and 1850 is when the word really started to kick in uh, during the uh, 19th century. And and that's when hygiene uh, became the forefront and they started realizing uh, you really got to clean to stay healthy, mm-hmm. so still, still, still do to this day. Yeah, still, it's, it's still today, and I have an entire timeline. I do as well uh, of of hygiene. So I think we use those same websites. Do, do you think we do? What? L- 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 let me guess. Does, does your star of what four hundred four thousand BC with, with the Egyptian women? Uh, yes, it does. So right. we're we're on the same page then. Yeah. So we did the same research, and that was the best best article I found. I, I went to about. Six different articles, and and this one was the timeline. I think gave the best stories of where it's at. So oh, yeah. we're going to work our way through that timeline. Right. I, 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 do you want me to go ahead and start? It off? Where, where do you want to start? Let's, well, let's start with, with the beginning on here with four thousand BC. Okay. Oh boy, they, you're going to hear a lot of uh, harmful chemicals used in this uh, discussion. Uh, yeah, they there. This is there's a lot of a. Uh, uh, missteps yeah. through the history of hygiene. Yeah. All right. So, 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 so begin in 4000 BC, Egyptian women apply a galena med- medstemet, 
may a copper and lead ore and em- malachite to to the faces for color and definition. So basically, they they they, they rub themselves in metal. They rub themselves with metal, kind of to almost as a makeup. Yes. All right. So the first misstep that I saw in history, uh, we're jumping forward a thousand years. All right. 3000 BC, the ancient Romans invented lead lined water pipes. All right. We all know it. And tanks. All right. Oh. So, so the, 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 the pipes were made of lead, the tanks were made of lead, everything. And it was only the rich could pay private water companies for their drinking water and their water needs. So they paid a company. There was already, Waterworks was already before Monopoly even came out. It was 3000 BC. All right. The only problem with this is they let the water sit and stagnate. Mm. So the water that the rich were using was pretty much the same as the water that the peasants were using. Oh. So we already had a water scam in 3000 BC. Oh, boy. All right. All right. So 200, 200 years uh, later on in 2800 BC, it, it was the first signs of soap or soap-like products were found in clay cylinders during the excavation of ancient Babylon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, 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 so at least, so at least we had soap for a while. So, so, so for the people that don't use soap, yeah, the primates are using like the like, like ancient people using it. So why not? Why not modern times? Yeah, and they use like boiled fat and ash. Yeah. Whew. I'm sure that smelled great. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, rubbing up uh, grandpa's uh, ashes over here. Yeah, yeah, that, that's just can't. All right, I'm going to jump way ahead at this point. I'm going to 600 B.C. Ooh. Okay? 600 B.C., uh, the ancient Greeks, they start using public baths. And public baths became very popular through history as we read more uh, about the public baths. And the book of the bath... Um, the history of the public baths begins in Greece in the 6th century B.C., where women and men washed in basins near places of exercise. The ancient Greeks also start using chamber pots. So instead of just peeing on the ground, they start using chamber pots, you know, instead of just peeing in the corner. Um, uh, and they were used from B.C., the ancient Greeks, and they also... Uh, would use them all the way up until the 18th century all over the world. So it, its chamber pots were basically created in 600 B.C. and were used up until the 18th century and probably still used today in certain parts of the world. Yeah. All right, so, so, so I'm going to skip up to uh, after death. Can you imagine just waking up and going in the chamber pot, Blake? Uh, I, I don't want to think about it. I, I, I want to have a good sleep tonight. Dad. All right. Here, here's, here's uh, you know how I always tell you, if you're walking with a lady, the lady always walks on the inside of the street. Yep. All right. The reason that came to be, people think it's about getting splashed from cars and stuff like that. Right? I mean, is that what you thought it was, or just being having them safe? Yeah, I got that, but both, both as well. All right, but it actually came from, uh, in London, uh, the overhangs mm-hmm. of the balconies. Mm. People would dump their chamber pots onto the street, and then it would wash down the gutters. But the man would walk on the outside in case someone dumped their chamber, spot, chamber pot, and it splashed. It would splash on the man instead of the woman. 
so that's the origin of the man walking on the outside. Okay, um, I, 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 I'll, I'll be using the the, the safe for a date uh, explanation though. <laughs> Well, you, you, I, I doubt that that's the reason now. It's more of a safety thing now. Yeah. Or, or uh, somebody splash, splashing a, a puddle on you now. Yeah. But it was it started the chamber pots being dumped off the balconies is where that uh, tradition came from. Yeah. All right. All right. Where are you going? All right. So I'm going to go up to 27 AD. Whew. Where ancient Romans believed in the ability of urine to remove stains. Until the medieval period, people used Lyle. Uh, that's 27 BC. Wait, what? It's 27 BC. Okay, I, I definitely think they. I, I believe that there's a mistypo in there because, okay. because because let me explain because in the previous one because because in the previous one about 19 BC. Oh, you're right. It is backwards. Yeah. Okay, I got you. I'm yeah. with you. So I can see that. Don't believe everything on the internet you see. I, I got you. I'm with you. Oh, yeah. good good catch. Yeah. All right. So anyway, so until the medieval period, people use Lyle. Made of ashes and urine to to clean off their clothes. Yeah, they use urine as a detergent. Yeah. So uh, double double check what's in the yellow pod of yeah. your Thai pod tonight. Yeah, urine urine seems to be a theme throughout history. Yeah. But, um. Yeah. When, yeah. It, when it came to hygiene, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Definitely. It, it's it's pretty frightening. All right. Um. All right. Here we go. Uh, I'm jumping ahead to. 1110 AD. Mm-hmm. All right. In Britain, one pamphlet recommended that people keep their teeth clean by rubbing their teeth with powdered fish bones and then rinsing their mouths with a mixture of vinegar and sulfuretic uh, acid. That's the worst mouthwash I think anyone could have ever created. I, 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 and I think it was some drunk dude in a pub. And it's like, hey, I got my printing machine. Let's make a pamphlet and see if people will do this. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry to notice, like, 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 like the three from like 400 AD, one, one, 1110 AD, and 1308 AD. Like all those involve Britain and teeth. And you wonder today why they why, why their teeth are so horrible. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, they, I mean, they, they, it's because of fish, powdered fish bones. Yeah, yeah. yeah because the next one on here, uh, thirteen. Uh, uh, 1308 AD. It was it was common in Britain for your barber to remove your teeth. Yeah, is and basically if basic treatments didn't fix the problem, they would remove it without the help of Novocaine. Yeah, well, in 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 those times, uh, it was uh, at at that time, you know, uh, the barber pole. Mm-hmm. All right, so the barber pole is red, white, and blue. Each one of those colors represents something. Um, and the red is the barbers were also usually the doctors, the surgeons, and the dentist mm-hmm. of the town. So that barber pole actually represents that time in history um, where the barber was the go-to guy in the community. Uh, so, so, so does the spinning of, of the pole mean anything? I don't know what the spinning means, but the, the colors on the pole... Uh, I know they represent different different things um, uh, with it. All right, um, let's go to the the Black Death mm. pandemic. All right, you know which uh, children's game came out of the Black Death? Uh, I was thinking about. Uh, 
ashes. I, I, I know someone that goes ashes, ashes. We all fall down, but ring, oh, a, ring around the rosy, ring around the rosy. That's it. It's ring around the rosy. I so, so I had to sing the song to in order to yeah. remember it. All right. So the Black Death swept through Europe and almost wiped out Europe. It it took out almost fifty percent of the population in a four year period, and they believe that it started uh, originating. You know where? In uh, Central Asia. In Asia. And it probably was spread through the trade routes uh, as people were coming across and back and forth with those trade routes. But this one, to me, the next one, you're, um, you're looking at the same list, 1400 A.D. What do you think? It was when uh, the Chinese introduced toilet paper. The very first toilet paper was used in 14 A.D. Yeah. Okay. So we started talking about 4,000 B.C., right? Mm -hmm. 4,000 B.C., and now it has taken over 5,000 years Mm -hmm. to invent something to wipe your butt. Yeah. All right? You and I didn't grow up in a in a world where we didn't have toilet paper. All right, my grandfather, uh, Papa Frank, in Tennessee, he didn't have running running water at his house, and he didn't have a bathroom inside his house. It was a true outhouse. We'd you'd have to go out and dig, and we had to. I remember as a kid having to bring toilet paper with us when we stayed at Papa Frank's house. Yeah, he literally used magazines. Sears catalog, any of those things, uh, in the outhouse. I'll, I'll apologize to our viewers who are currently eating food right now to add that to listen to that. We, <laughs> we, we fortunately apologize. Yeah, but I mean that's part of the hygiene, though. I mean, it's, it, just imagine for five over over five thousand years, there was people before uh, four thousand BC. Yeah, but real quick, Tanda Joe, huh? what's your thoughts on bidets? Um, I'm okay with it. I still don't feel as clean really day. i feel like i still gotta scrub do, it out scrub it out you know but i think that's the way i was raised mm-hmm. you know it's I, I i don't think they're horrible yeah i'm not anti-bidet but it's just i think i think i still need both mm. okay okay all right anyway all, all right. right all right so next one next one i'm gonna skip ahead to 1789 so people are always fascist fashion conscious during during the 18th century when their eyebrows did not look fashionable they often masked themselves with tiny pieces of skin from a mouse yeah all right and it, it goes uh it goes all the way back to 1718 uh where it showed up in a poem that they were using yeah. so the dead skin of mice instead of plucking their eyebrows they covered it up with mice skin. Whether if I saw the gentleman out there, please, please, please always compliment your women on your nice eyebrows because otherwise there could have be some uh, dead mice skin on there. They could have eyebrows. mice skin, that's for sure. All right, we did skip over one date that I definitely wanted to bring in, and that's 1586. Sir John Harrington invented a valve that when you pulled would release water from a water closet. All right? Uh, and then in 1819, Giblin, 
a British patent uh, for the silent valveless water waste preventer. Wow, that's a, a mouthful. And uh, that would allow a toilet to flush, flush effectively. Unfortunately, it didn't run into any sewers. It just ran on the street. Well, speaking about toilets, we're going to skip up to 1861 with the first modern toilet. Okay. So, 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 so this is famous guy that I won't say his name for 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 comedic effect, but he didn't he, he didn't invent the flush toilet, but he is understood to have made major con- contributions toward its development by mm. implementing a modern septic system. You got to say his name. I'm I'm sorry, but it's so funny. I want to save it to the end. No, you got to say his name. All right, his name is Thomas Crapper. Crapper. That is where the term crap came from. Yeah. As where and, and he and it's still disputed uh, what his contributions to the toilet were too, mm-hmm. but he definitely um, did a pump system uh, that that controlled the water system in the city and some of those things. So he was he was kind of the uh, Renaissance man of crap. Indeed, he was. All right. Um, 1847, in hygiene, this is uh, a more on the medical side. Um, medical students, all right, uh, they found that child bed fever occurred in women who were being assisted by medical students. All right, so they were having their babies. They were assisted by medical students. All right, and Dr. Sh- Schimmelweis, he, he basically discovered that the students who were assisting in childbirth were also the same students that were studying uh, the dead bodies. You know, they were, they were doing autopsies and things like that. But they weren't washing their hands in between the two. All right? And after that, they ins- instituted, you have to wash your hands in any medical procedure. Mm-hmm. All right? So it became... Worldwide, you had to wash, you had to clean up before any medical procedure. And what year was this? This was in 1847. And what year did, uh, was it Grover Cleveland Alexander that got got shot? Or who who, who was it? They kept opening him up. And he died of septus. Yeah. He died of septus because they kept opening him up. And that was in the the 1880s. Yeah. It wasn't Grover Cleveland. It was Garfield. That's right. Um, it was early, early 1880s. It was Garfield. Um, right. But the death rates dropped 20-fold within three months. Once they discovered what washing your hands does, and one of the things that has become my new thing is I, I've washed my hands a lot more than I used to. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, all right. All right. All right. So... So I'm the one that says 1920. I, I can I, I'll do this one, buddy. You, you do you do 1920. All right, because this one this one, uh, and I got one more that comes into effect in World War II. All right, uh, actually I'll let you do the 1920 and I'll do the World War II. I, I, actually, no, it's, uh, you you do. Uh, uh, okay. You want me to do the Lysol one? Yeah, you do the Lysol right. one. So 1920 Lysol. All right, still used today as a disinfectant on different things. But that's not what Lysol was created for. 1920, Lysol was sold as a genital disinfectant and birth control method. Lysol ads proclaimed a host of benefits from every gynecological need 
and was the leading form, the leading form of birth control from 1930 to 1960. All right. Unfortunately, Lysol is actually a caustic poison causing burns and itches. After the first drop, most women were applying it to their skin for over 30 years. For over 30 years, they believed that Lysol was the best form. Well, you definitely weren't having babies after that then. Oh, gosh. That's, I mean, that's just, it, it blows me away. I had no idea the origin of Lysol and where that came from. All right. My last one. Do you have any others for the hygiene? Uh, I, so, 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 so I think we went through the timeline that we went through. So, yeah. But I think you have a bonus one that came from World War II, you said? Mm-hmm. All right. All right. So w- one of the things um, I wanted to stick with, and, it, and it, it starts in the late 1800s, is the toothbrush. Mm-hmm. All right. We talked a lot about Britain and using urine and using ashes and using uh, fish bones and stuff like that. But the toothbrush was actually invented in China, in China, like in the 14, 1500s. Okay, but it was it was not very good, and they were using uh, hairs from a wild boar, but they didn't dry out, and then bacteria ended up getting in those toothbrushes. So the first true toothbrush wasn't really uh, created again until. Uh, to the public until like the late 1800s, but no one still used them. No, no one used the toothbrush until that time, and it wasn't until World War II. All right, when uh, in the Army Manual uh, they they required the soldiers to wash their teeth every day, mm. and that's the synthetic toothbrush got invented in 19 like 1938. Wow. Okay, so it's that recent, all right, in 1938. But it wasn't until World War II and the soldiers came back after World War II that the toothbrush became a common thing in your household. Yeah. Now, then a quick tangent, though. Uh-huh. So, 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 are you more of a classic toothbrush guy, or, or, or do you like the electric toothbrush? Um, I'm more of a classic toothbrush guy, and, you know, and, and I, you know, because of my sports history, I have summer teeth, summer here, summer there, you know, and all my top teeth are, are a bridge, you know, because I, I got them knocked out, but I am, I am a classic toothbrush guy and, you know, I'm a guy that like, make sure you get your gums. So I don't think a lot of people get their gums. You got to get in there and get the gums to keep it clean. All right, anyway, uh, ad break time. Huh? Hey, oh, it's ad break time. All right. Blake wants to get to the sports. Like he, he can he can tell yeah, me right now. Yeah, and, 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 but, and, and, just, and just so you didn't say that they did, he revealed to the public that I, have, that I don't brush my gums. Mm-hmm. Well, you just did. I don't have to. Well, too late now. Yeah. All right, here we go. Uh, Coquina Coast Realty, if you're looking to sell anything, commercial, residential, looking to invest, looking to do Anything in the real estate world, give me a call at, and that's, uh, my name is Troy Blevins, at 904-669-7901. River and Fort, River and Fort Restaurant. Uh, great guys over there, Bob and Jeff, the owners over there, they're creating the new restaurant. I saw those guys looking looking at the new restaurant today. It's going to be located between Harry's and, uh, Harry's and the Hilton there. 
uh, an upscale Italian restaurant is going to go there. But River and Fort, I'm telling you right now, these guys uh, do it right. They put the money into it. They made that corner look beautiful. Appreciate you being in St. Augustine, River and Fort, and thank you for your partnership. Uh, St. Augustine Pirate Museum. Uh, Cindy over there, she runs the show. They also do the Oak. So there's great live music right there. Um, but the Pirate Museum is a go-to destination. If you, Like I said, if you have somebody, if you haven't been to the Pirate Museum and you've lived here for years, and I know a lot of people have not been that have lived here for years, do yourself a favor, go check it out. If you're like, oh, I can't afford it, give me a call. Shoot me a text. I will get you some passes because I want you guys to get into the Pirate Museum. All right, this place right here, one of the best bars in town, if not the best bar in town, and that's Meehan's Irish Pub. Uh, three bars in one. Reggie does such an amazing job. Uh, go over there, sip on a Guinness, sip on a uh, Jameson, uh, try out the Oyster Bar upstairs. Great food. What's the app they got to have, Blake? Uh, the the grand the grand tower, I think. Oh no no, me hands. Oh me hands. Uh, uh, the mac and cheese. The mac and cheese is amazing. Uh, they do an amazing job over there. All right, uh, Amer Kreskin Associates. These guys are my accountants. They've been my accountants for a decade. Uh, just do an absolute phenomenal phenomenal job. Um, and give them a call. You have any investment issues? You have any accounting issues? You worried worried about your taxes? Give these guys a call. Starting a new business, they'll set up your LLC for you. Um, give them a call. All right, Cheshire Customs and Collisions. Got it right again. Blake, give me the thumbs up. Um, go see Chris Cheshire over there. They also have Cheshire Towing. Uh, they can tow you to the shop if you need to take care of it. They do take care of some mechanical stuff, but they are known for their custom work and making your old car look new or if you just get in a fender bender and you want to make sure it blends in nice, these are the guys to go see Cheshire Customs and Collisions. And last but not least, and cheers to them, City Gates Distillery. Like I said, the whiskey of the week is a cinnamon whiskey. It is a smooth whiskey. It tastes like you're sipping on a cinnamon stick. Um, but great tours, amazing flavors at City Gates. Um, very creative uh, with their with their spirits uh, at St. Augustine Distillery. St. Augustine Distillery. It has been named the number one tasting tour uh, in the country. So, distillery tasting tour in the country. It's ranked number one because of how it gets you through the history of bourbon and everything else. So, give give those guys a call over there, and you know if you have people in town, do the tour. You know, stop in St. Augustine Pirate Museum, go see City Gates Distillery, St. Augustine Distillery, and stop and have a meal at River and Fort and do a nightcap at Meehan's. You got the whole sponsorship uh, theme covered. All right, Blake, you ready to start in champions that probably shouldn't have been champions? I am definitely ready. Which sport do you want? So we did. Oh, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you go whichever way you want to go, and we'll we'll find out which way which way it falls. Yeah. So so the format we decided with was was basically go with like the four major like sports of 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 us like basketball, baseball, hockey, and football, and plus like one uh, offshoot sport off mm-hmm. of those. So I'm gonna go with our favorite sport, probably say, and, and go with baseball. Okay. Uh, so the team I went with was the 1987 uh, Minnesota Twins. 
Okay. Really good, really good team. Uh, Blur, uh, Burt Blylevin was on the team. Kirby Puckett was. Uh, who, who, uh, Kent Herbeck. Kent Herbeck was on that team. Yes. Yeah. So they. So they were. So last year. So in 1986, they lost 91 games. In A7, they won 85 and 77. E- even though that's a middle league record for today, that that still got them the the American League West division lead. Like mm-hmm. they got them the division. What was memorable about them was how good how good they were at home and how how bad they were away. Yeah, well, they they played on a turf field, and their team was kind of built for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and you know when when they played at home, they knew uh, which way the ball was going to roll, and it was the old turf. Oh yeah, they did the, right, the Metrodome. It was the old turf, and it was the old Metrodome. Yeah, and yeah, to put it nicely, their their home record was fifty six and twenty five. Home rec- uh, away record twenty nine and fifty two. Woo. Yeah, but um, that turf was the uh, it was basically uh, carpet just over top of uh, concrete. Mm-hmm. All right, today's turf, artificial turf, and there's very few baseball fields that are now artificial turf. Yeah, um, today's turf, it's actually you know the the higher threads, and then it has the beads in it, mm-hmm. and it doesn't hurt the way that old turf hurt. And I'm telling you right now, if you ever played on the old turf. It was painful, and these guys made entire careers in that stadium. Oh yeah, definitely. So, well, it was but, but, but especially the main guy, their main center fielder, Kirby Puckett. Yeah. The, so he had a he led the team with a three thirty two batting average, uh, with twenty eight home runs, and and won a Gold Glove in center yeah. field. He was, no, he was a great player. He was a great player. He's, yeah. I'm assuming he's a Hall of Famer. Right? Oh yeah, he definitely is a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but but the but they went through the Tigers and the ALCS who who were ninety eight and sixty four that year, and they beat the Cardinals in seven games. Yeah. Um, and that that Cardinal team was a very good team in the eighties. It had like Willie McGee, Ozzie Smith on that team. Um, you know, they they had some uh, Vince Coleman was on that team. Uh, they had some real guys that were set up for turf. Oh yeah. So it, it made them. They definitely were the underdogs going into it um, because you know there's teams that were set up for turfs and teams that and that's not the way it is in baseball now. Now everything's about the home run. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so if we're staying with baseball, all right. Um, you, you have any more to add about about that team, the '87 team? I I, de- I definitely want to say like I I, I definitely want to see like more and more indoor like like stadiums like just like just so we can get like a neutral environment uh-huh. like like because because yeah sure the wind's fun and all that but 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 I just want to see like the best teams in in a, in, a, in a controlled environment. How many how many teams have retractable roofs now? I know, I know. Houston does, and Miami does, right, right? So I think it's Houston, Miami, Arizona, Toronto, and Milwaukee. Mm. All right. Yeah. So and Seattle no well, longer. Seattle's no longer in a dome. Seattle's a bit iffy because because they do because because it's covered, but not they don't have like like, like anything like blocking out the side, so they can still get wind inside. Mm-hmm. All right. They just uh, they just won't get rained on. And, and the the thing about the um, the twins and the reason I didn't pick them is they actually followed up in '91, yeah, and won again, pretty much the same team. Mm-hmm. So, but but but, you know, but so they validated that championship a little bit. Mm-hmm. But but weren't they didn't they have the worst record in the American League the, in '90 though? So same with the yeah. They, they, I think they went last to first or last to first two two times within a five year period. Wow. 
But I think I think the Marlins did something very similar, mm-hmm. and the team I'm going to talk about did was horrible, horrible for the first six years. Mm-hmm. All right, and I'm talking about the 1969. And Lenny, Lenny's a Met fan, so the 1969 uh, New York Mets. All right, so the Mets came in uh, in '61. 60-61 in that period. And they had Casey Stingle, the great manager from the Yankees from decades ago. And what the Mets did to try and draw in, and their, their Shea, Shea Stadium was located in Queens. Mm-hmm. All right. So what they did is they made their colors blue and orange because New York had lost the Brooklyn Dodgers. And they lost um, the Giants, the New York Giants from the Polo Grounds, which was orange. So the Brooklyn Dodgers were blue. And uh, the uh, Giants were orange. National League team back in New York. uh, And this was the very first year they did divisional play. So they split up the uh, they split up the National League into two divisions, East and West. Very first year they they had East and West. Before that, National League you had to win. Out of the ten teams, you had to win it all, and there was no uh, playoffs. Yeah, you won and you went to the World Series. Yeah, very first year they ever did this. Uh, the Cubs were way out in front. The Cubs, and we call it the Miracle Mets, but it should have been more the Cubs collapse because the Cubs. I think they were uh, like ten games up at the midway point. All right, so. 69, they have several Hall of Famers on this team, on the pitching staff. One of them, which kind of gets lost and obscure and just not out there, is Nolan Ryan was on this team. A young Nolan Ryan was on this team. Mm -hmm. All right? Uh, He kind of gets lost because he was so early in his career, he was wild. He wasn't that good at that time. But they had the greatest pitcher pretty much during the 70s that was starting to show fame. You know who that was. Tom Seaver. Correct. Tom Seaver. All right. But Blake, do you know why they won? Ooh. Like like look like, like why they no, won. No, my theory of why they won. Who's won more rings than any other human being, the World Series rings than any other human being in the world? Yogi Berra. All right. Do you realize Yogi Berra's connection to the Mets? Wasn't he the manager? No, he was the first base coach. Oh. He was a first base coach. So here's a guy who participated in 21 World Series. He won 10 as a player, 3 as a coach. This was his first one as a coach. And he was the first base coach for Gil Hodges, who was also a very great player, uh, who was the manager. But these guys finished ninth or 10th for the first six years of their organization. And then they, they go from last place the first place on the backs of Tom Seaver and and this young team. So in baseball, to me, they're they're the number one. But I did, I forgot Yogi was a part of that team until I started doing my Mets dive today. Yeah, yeah but but weren't they part of the World Series in '73? And I think yeah. if, if they would have won, because they got beaten by the Orioles, right? Uh, they got they they beat the Orioles in '69 and they lost to the A's in '73. All right. If, if if you think they would have won in seven, if the Mets won in seventy three instead of the Athletics, would that have invalidated the t- the title in sixty nine? Wait a second, it, it was maybe seventy two that they. I thought it was seventy three. Okay, you might be right. I know the Reds. The Red. This is um, 
whenever the playoffs was when when they there was a big brawl at second base between Bud Bud Harrelson and Pete Rose during the playoffs. Um, and uh, and that and that's when the Mets actually beat the the Reds in the National League playoffs, and the Reds didn't go to that World Series. The next year, I think the Reds went. So, all right, um, all right. Uh, let's go with what? What do you want to do? Football or basketball? Uh, let's do. Or you want to do an off sport? Let's do uh, football, and, and, and you can do yours first. Football. All right, you're gonna you're gonna enjoy mine. The champion that shouldn't have been champion. You know where I'm going, Blake. Ooh, I'm really. I'm going to say the 1990 Colorado. No. Oh, the 2002 Ohio State Buckeyes. The 2002 Ohio State Buckeyes. That was pass interference. By far, the best team in the NCAA throughout the entire year was the Miami Hurricanes. Their star running back gets hurt on the second play of the game. All right? Gets hurt on the second play of the game. Their quarterback, who's been phenomenal the entire year, um, throws like five interceptions. All right? Ken Dorsey? Is that right? I think it's who it was. I think so. Um, And it came down to uh, a two-point conversion. And at the very end of the game, Miami stops Ohio State on a two-point conversion. About 10 seconds, I'm talking just count to 10, a flag comes out of nowhere, and they call pass interference. Two of the Miami defenders were already celebrating, and they had their pads off, and then they let Ohio State, and Ohio State scored, and that's how they ended up with a 2002 championship. So... Oh, you're going silent on me now. Yeah. Um, sorry, sorry about your loss, man. Uh, yeah. I, 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 but but here's, the, here's the thing, though. I, I have family in Columbus, Ohio, mm-hmm. so I have to be a bit balanced. you got to be neutral. you got to be Switzerland on this one? Go Ohio State. Yeah. You, you better remember who, who you live with there. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Ohio, you, you root for Ohio State now? Uh, I, I, it might rent, be it might rent's be, going up. Rent's going up. Okay, it might, okay, it might be pit. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious, no. Okay, <laughs> all right. I, what's I your football? What's your football one before you get yourself in more trouble? I can't win. All right, it is. I'm so I'm, I'm going to go off another uh, college team, the 2010 Auburn Tigers. They they also went undefeated as well. A 14-0. They were first in the SEC and they beat the BC and they won the BCS championship against Oregon, 22-19. The, the the leader leader of the team was uh, Cam Newton, a former a former uh, Gator himself. Yeah, yeah. But but here's the thing about Cam Newton: he is the only player from from the 2010 Auburn championship team to to have a passing yard, a rushing yard, and a receiving yard in the NFL ever. He is the only one to have at least one of those. That just shows you what a beast he was. Oh yeah. I mean, he was he was a beast. I mean, didn't he win a he he won a co MVP? No, no, he 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 was a I think it was a unanimous MVP. No, oh, was he? No, okay. no, no, he wasn't. But 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 he was, but he was like a singular MVP though. But another thing about that team was uh, only seven members of that team was drafted to the NFL. That that was like the fewest because normally like, off of a national championship yeah, team. Yes. Yeah. 
and then and it's usually like like twenty members, fifteen to twenty members. Mm-hmm. Seven is the lowest. I think the lowest one now is the Clemson Tigers of twenty eighteen. Uh huh. I'm not sure about that. And plus also, but that shows you the power of a quarterback. Oh yeah. I mean, because who was quarterback of that twenty eighteen team? Uh, Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. All right, and the and the quarterback of that uh, LSU team, Joe Burrow. Um, Joe Burrow, and the Auburn team, uh, Cam Newton. Yeah, I mean those. That shows you the power of the quarterback in college football. Yeah, and it definitely shows that because because another part here was out of out of the fourteen victories, they had seven games where it was a what was like a one possession victory for them. So mm-hmm. that was close, and and they were the worst. Uh, uh, defense when it comes to scoring because they average like twenty four point nine points per game on the scoring, which was the lowest. And, and and I think like the team that came the closest was the twenty eighteen LSU Tigers with twenty one point nine points per game from the defense. Mm-hmm. So so they were definitely relying on the Cam Newton. Like what they did there was amazing. And mm-hmm. ooh, no, he was a beast. He was a beast. I mean, uh, all right. So we have. You can pick another sport, or we can do basketball. I'm going to say pick another sport. All right. So pick another sport. So give me a sport. I'll let you go first on this one because, I, I mean, I might take up the whole time with, uh, with my choice on, on the other sport. Uh, let's, uh, so so what's, what's your two other sports that you have? Like the, I have basketball and then whatever, any other let's champion do other from sports. Any, any other sport. So pick, pick whatever your other sport was. I definitely want to hear your take on the, on the Miracle on Ice. Okay, Miracle on Ice. And when I said let's do another sport, I had two sporting events that really stuck out to me as far as the biggest upsets of all time. Mm-hmm. All right. And the Miracle on Ice... A lot of people know about the other one that really stuck out in, in my mind was um, Buster Douglas beating Mike Tyson. Mm. So in Japan, Buster Douglas, uh, you know, he was probably a top ten guy, but wasn't probably a top five guy. He was like the biggest underdog of all time to become heavyweight champion. And Mike Tyson, who was doing more hype and other stuff and not really training ends up getting knocked out in, like, the 10th round by pretty much a nobody. So that one, that one to me, is the biggest upset of all time. But so close to it is a miracle on ice. Um, the 19, 1980 uh, USA hockey team. All right. So they're playing the Soviet Union. And the Soviet Union is made up of professional hockey players. Like, if you look at hockey today, a lot of the players that are some of the greatest players in the NHL today came out of countries uh, that later became, that were once a part of the Soviet Union. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. So, we had college kids or mid-range professionals, because at that time... Uh, professional athletes weren't allowed to be on the USA team. Mm-hmm. Did you realize that? Yeah, I, th- I think I think I remember that. I think think that I think that that was also part part of the rules for uh, for basketball as well, right? Yeah, it was part of the basketball thing and stuff like that. And the other upset was my Olympic team was uh, the USA team that got robbed in 1972. Did you ever you ever hear that story? I have not. So. Um, 
basically they replayed the same play three times in the gold uh, gold medal round, and the USA stopped them twice. And on the third time, uh, the Soviet Union scored. And that's how, like, and the that's one of the few times the USA did not even go to the medal ceremony because they felt like they got robbed so bad. Mm. So, um, but the Miracle on Ice. Uh, to me, because I remember watching, I'm, I'm sitting on the uh, on my living room floor. You know, we only got one TV at that time, three stations, and they showed it at night. So, in today's world, it would have been anticlimactic. You would have already known because they played that game earlier in the day. It was already taped, um, and a lot of people think that that was the gold medal game, but it wasn't. It wasn't. So, but I can tell you right now, I, I, I remember, I think I was like 12, 10, you know, I, I, was, I guess I was, had been close to 13 years old. I would have been t- close to that. I was like 12 years old at the time. It was, it was in the wintertime. Um, and I, I don't remember ever cheering so hard and hugging, hugging my family. And, and, and everyone was there watching it. And I don't remember any experience of any sporting event having that level of, of excitement as Miracle on Ice. And the, the, um, the goalie, Craig, at the end, I can still visualize it, him looking for his dad in the stands with a USA flag. He's, he's literally lipping, where's my dad? Where's my dad? Um, who was up in the stands. So to me, the best... The best upset win of all times is Miracle on Ice. Yeah. All right. So, so do you want to go? Uh, so, I just realized that my hockey one might not be as good as yours. Well, it's hard to beat Miracle on Ice. True. It's yeah. hard to beat Miracle on Ice. Yeah. So. All right. All right. So anyway, so I'm going to go with my other sport one. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to say NASCAR. Oh, okay. Because 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 we uh, are kind of huge fans. Uh, yeah, we, I, we're we're NASCAR family. Yeah. Uh, so, so the championship I went with was 1992 mm-hmm. with Alan Kowicki winning it. The Polak. Yep. So, so basically, so so going to 1992, he only had three wins, mm-hmm. and, and, and at the time, his highest points finish was eighth place. But but throughout the year, he was like consistent, like two wins, eleven top fives, seventeen top tens, and I think his main two competitors that year was Davy Allison and uh, Bill Elliott. Yeah. So going to the last race of the year, he was second in points behind Allison, but but those three those three had, had, had like a thirty point difference, so it was anyone's game. And actually, I think it's actually six people could have won it mm-hmm. because because fourth was uh, Kyle Petty, Harry Gant, and Mark Martin could have won it as well, but they needed a little bit of help though. Yeah, yeah. Harry, Harry Gant's the uh, the oddball. He was like the ultimate second place driver. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so anyway, but, but of course, the final race of the year, the 92 Hooters 500, is considered the greatest race of all time mm-hmm. because like because of the title race. Plus, there was Petty's, Richard Petty's last race, Jeff Gordon's first race, plus Earnhardt was racing in it. So, yeah. So you have like all those You people. had pretty much all the Hall of Famers. You had, uh, you had Davey and Bobby both were racing in it. Bobby Allison? I think Allison was still racing, no, wasn't no, he? He, he? He wasn't he, there? He retired. He, uh, he got a bad injury in 88. Had to uh, retire. Oh, okay. All right. So, um, but it, was, it came down to Davey, Colwicky. And Bill Elliott. And Bill Elliott. And, and, think at the, and, so, and so at the time, so, so there was bonus points for like the most laps led. So, and, and, and I believe if 
the crew chief for Bill Elliott made a mistake and he pulled him in too early. So 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 he didn't get the most labs led bonus, which I don't think it was enough, but it definitely hurt his hurt his chances. Yeah. But right. and and Kowicki was and correct me if I'm wrong on this because you're really good at uh the sports history stuff mm-hmm. with the racing. Mm-hmm. Is he the last independent owner? Like he owned his own team, yes. like a single team. Yes. Is he the last independent owner to win a championship? Yes, because twenty eleven was Tony Stewart winning it, but he was a co owner like like co owner of a team. He he he, he was with Gene it was Haas. Haas, right. It was Haas you know, and Haas was up fronting that. One. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, so, so it was uh, Koriki, like, funding his own team. And he did he did something unique. And I remember I remember him winning the championship. But didn't he do uh, a Polish victory lap? Yep, where, where he basically drove around the track uh, the opposite way, way around so he can wave to the fans. Yeah, so that, that way it put him on the driver's side towards the fans. Mm-hmm. So, it, and that's... Uh, and how did he? How did he die? Uh, it was a plane crash outside Bristol, Tennessee. Uh, it was him and two other executives from uh, Hooters. Okay, that part of it. And and unfortunately, at the time, so so after he died, Jeff O'Dine bought the team, mm-hmm. but the contract because he was sponsored by Hooters at the time, the contract was only for Kowicki. So yeah. so Jeff O'Dine didn't get the he Hooters. lost he lost that sponsorship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and Hooters hasn't been the same since. No. All right. Um, I don't even know if we got time for these. What was your basketball one, Blake? Basketball was the 1995 Houston Rockets. Oh, Blake. No, you didn't. Yeah, it was. Okay. And the reason Blake did this, and this is a, this is an inside, not an inside joke, but it's, uh, it's when the Orlando Magic got swept mm-hmm. by. And you're, you're wearing an Orlando Magic hat, and I you know. did this to your dad. I know. I, 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 I just want to see you in pain. This was the first finals I went to. So, explain. Jordan Jordan is yeah, right, so, off playing baseball. Yeah, well, actually, he came back. He came, all right. So in 1995, Jordan oh, came back mid-season. Uh, the uh, however, oh, they, that's right. He was wearing 45, and he got beat by the Magic. And the and I went to some of those games. Yeah, I was there when he put 23 back on. Yeah, but because of another guy, we will get to later. Uh, caused that. Yes. Yeah. So anyway. So so anyway. But but the Bulls weren't at full strength yet when when they faced the Magic in the semifinals in the Eastern playoffs. They uh, Magic beat them. Then they beat the Pacers to reach the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, that Pacers series was great. Yeah. But the '95 Houston Rockets, though. So so in the previous year '94, they won the championship. They were they were 50 and 42 last year. That in '95 they were 47 35. In the last eighteen games, they won seven and eleven, and they ended up as the sixth seed. They limped in. Yeah, it was bad, but they still had the same core: Akeem Olajuwon, the the best player at the time, Sam Cassell, Robert Ory, and your bane of your existence, Kenny Smith. I Kenny, think. I don't mind Kenny. Well, Kenny's a better announcer than he was a player. Yeah, and actually, on on Valentine's Day in '95, they actually they actually trade for uh, Clyde Drexler, his uh his former teammate. Uh, as part of Fly Slam and Jamma. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So 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 they so they so they beat the Utah Jazz in the first round, Phoenix Suns in the semifinals, and the San Diego Spurs in the in the Western the Finals. San Antonio. San Antonio Spurs, thank yeah, you. San Diego Clippers would have been at that time. No, they would have been lost. Were they already in LA yeah, by, by that point? Okay. Yeah. 
And then they face the Shaq and the Orlando Magic. Game one will go down in infamy because of two words. Free throws. Free throws. So it came down, and I'm, I'm in the stands at this time. And Nick Anderson, uh, who ran his mouth during the, the Bulls thing, and that's why Jordan put on 23 back, because he made a statement, 45 is not as good as 23. And I love people that say, uh, you know, well, Michael Jordan went 6-0 in, uh, in, the, in the finals. But there were a lot of finals he never made it to. He got his ass kicked by Larry Bird's team. He got his ass kicked by Isaiah Thomas. And everybody seems to forget that. And he lost to a very young Magic team. But Nick Anderson ran his mouth, and Jordan came alive in that series and scared the Orlando. Orlando still won. Nick Anderson, an 83% free throw shooter, mm-hmm. missed four free throws in a row in game one. They had a chance to lock down game one. All he had to do was hit one of the four and miss four in a row. Sad day, Dad. It was a, it was a horrible day for me. That was, I, I, that was probably... I talked about the miracle on ice being my highest moment. That was probably the drive home from that stadium was horrible. Was absolutely horrible as an Orlando Magic fan. But you got to be honest, though. They, they, the Rockets deserve the championship. Well, the Rockets definitely. Um, it was a very young Shaquille, and Akeem was in the prime of his career, and he worked Shaquille that yeah. series. All right. All right, one more question before we sign off for the yeah, night. We got, we, we, we're going a little over time. Yeah. What you got? One more question. So, so since originally the Magic, uh, Magic drafted Chris Webber in, 90, in 93, do you think if Chris Webber was on the team in the finals, do you think they would at least been a bit more competitive? I, I, I don't know about that because um, Penny was so good and he complimented Shaq so well and he kind of fit into that team. Um, so I, I can't say... Yes or no on that, and Horace Horace was on that team. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a good team. That, that was, was. A, that was a, a, a fun team to watch. They almost won sixty games. Yeah, um, that was a fun team to watch. So I I, I don't know if Chris Webber because Chris Webber never really won anything any place he went. Yeah, so it would have made them really big, and I don't know what they would have had as far as point guards go. So, all right, you know what? That's the end of our show. I want to say thank you to all our sponsors. If you're out there, please hit that share button. Get people out there. Appreciate you laughing and learning with us. Hopefully you learned something today, um, and we really appreciate it. Blake, great job as always. Uh, this is Bollocks Talks and Tangents, and we'll see you next week.